35 years ago, Jack Eckerd, the founder uh, of Eckerd Drugstores, now owned by Rite Aid, gave his life to Christ. Friends said he was a new person. Uh, he was more patient with people, uh, more at peace with himself. His administrative assistant said he was like a new, new person. But Eckert's new faith also brought him some challenges. A few days after he gave his life to Christ, he walked into one of his stores and he noticed the magazines. Now, he'd seen them thousands of times before, but this time he was horrified. He had what he called family stores to see Playboy and Penthouse and other adult magazines. You say, well, that's easy. Just throw them out. But when you own 2,800 stores nationwide... That's millions of dollars. And what about your stockholders? Why would I throw millions of dollars away? Eckerd asked. But he felt convicted by God. So after he got rid of these magazines, he wrote to other owners of drugstore chains and told them what he had done. And he said, it really didn't ruin me financially. Nobody wrote him back right away. After all, pornography was a profitable business. But encouraged by Eckerd's actions, thousands of people nationwide band together under an organization called National Coalition Against Pornography, and they began boycotting stores that sold adult magazines. The pressure began to pay off. Like dominoes, these chains, one by one, began to pull them from their magazine racks. Revco, which is now owned by CVS, Peoples, now owned by CVS, Rite Aid, Dart Drug, now owned by Target, Grade Drug, now owned by Rite Aid, Osco, now owned by Albertsons, Walgreens, and CVS, all pulled pornography from their shelves. Finally, the last major holdout pulled out as well, 7-Eleven, removed pornography from its 4,500 stores and recommended its 3,600 franchises do the same. For years, citizens had worked to try to stop the spread of pornography. What they couldn't accomplish by legislation happened by one person who gave his life to Christ. Now, I'm not suggesting that pornography has been defeated. Uh, that would be a joke. I mean, it's largely just moved online. Uh, my point is, one person can make a difference. Jack in Eckerd had influence with other owners of drug chains because he had credibility. He removed pornography from him in stores and shared with him that it had not ruined him financially. Because he had done it, he had credibility with them. And so they began to remove uh, magazines as well. When we do what we say we're going to do, we gain credibility. When we don't do what we say, we lose credibility. Uh, we are called, if we're followers of Christ, to share Christ with people in our sphere of influence. Uh, but when we don't live with integrity, we lose our credibility. Uh, if you're not a follower of Christ, you may have been turned off by somebody talking to you about God when their lives, you know, you say, like, your life is in shambles. Why should I listen to you? Uh, when we 
live lives that bring honor to God, we gain credibility. Our faith is credible when our lives bring honor to God. So what are some ways we can bring honor to God? The prophet Malachi addresses people in Judah who were losing credibility in the 5th century B.C. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Uh, Malachi suggests three ways that we can bring honor to God. First way he suggests that we can bring honor to God is by being credible in our attitude. Malachi writes, sometime after 433 B.C., the people he addresses are facing difficult times. The population of Judah is still only a fraction of what it was before they were taken into captivity to Babylon in 586 B.C. Around 536 B.C., about 50,000 people came back under the leadership of their new governor, Zerubbabel. Uh, some more came back to Judah from Babylon in 520 B.C. when uh, Zechariah and Haggai rebuilt the temple. Still more came back when Ezra came back to teach the people in Judah. And even more came back under Nehemiah when he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. But Judah had never returned to its glory years. Now, Israel's glory years were under the, the kingship of David and Solomon. Uh, then when they disobeyed God, many were taken into captivity to Assyria. Only some of them came back. Then uh, Judah, uh, they disobeyed God, and so they were taken into captivity to Babylon. Only some of them came back. When the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D., Jews were dispersed all around the world. And they never came back until the last 100 years. When Israel, uh, people began to come back. Do you know why people came back, Jews came back to Israel? There was no place in the world for them to live. One exception might be the United States. They were persecuted in Europe. They were persecuted in Russia and Eastern Bloc countries. They were persecuted in uh, Muslim-majority countries in the Middle East and in, a in Africa. They just had no place to go. And so a movement was begun to, for Jews to come back to the homeland, and uh, they, the country was begun in 1948. American Jews came, some, because they were inspired by what other people were doing in Israel. Um, Jory and I are taking a trip to, uh, lead a trip to, uh, to Israel next year, April 25th, uh, for, for 10 days. Uh, I uh, lived in Israel for six months during college, and, uh, and then uh, about 10 years ago when my son Luke graduated from college, we took a 10-day trip to Israel, and uh, we water skied on uh, Lake Galilee, uh, it's kind of a resort area. We'll be spending four nights there. But I asked a Jewish agency to lead the trip on purpose. They will give us kind of the story of the last hundred years, what's happened in Israel. And then I'll bring the biblical perspective, uh, the Christian perspective to, to the trip. Yeah, we invite you to, to join us if you'd like. Uh, but the people of Judah, you know, it was not prospering, and uh, they developed a bad attitude. Uh, they became cynical about their faith. 
Malachi assured them that God still loved them. I have loved you, God said, but you ask, how have you loved us? After returning from Babylon, many of the people of Israel were disillusioned. Uh, They never experienced the prosperity they had before. Uh, They had droughts and famines. Uh, They were surrounded by enemies that kept attacking them. The people of Judah thought, if God loves us, why doesn't He show us more? Their negative attitude made them sour. Bill McCartney, former coach of the University of Colorado football team, told his players that their attitude was four times more important than their physical strength or their abilities. Uh, Many things that happen to us are beyond our control. We call those circumstances. You can't do anything about those. But you can do something about your response to the circumstances. That's your attitude. And I'm convinced that 10% of our life is made up of our circumstances. What happens to us, 90% of our life is determined by our response to it. That's our attitude. The people of Judah developed a bad attitude. They convinced themselves that God did not love them. When times are tough, it's difficult to believe that God loves you. Maybe that's your state of mind today. Maybe there's been a death in your family. Maybe you're battling an illness. Possibly you're unemployed. Maybe you're tired of school. You're struggling in your marriage or with an ex-spouse. You're having problems with one of your children. Or you're just tired that COVID has dragged on so long. You're not feeling God's love. Malachi says, come on, folks, quit feeling sorry for yourselves. Look around and see how much God loves you. But you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Esau was Jacob's twin brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. And I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the, de- to the desert jackals. You say, wait, that's not the kind of God I want that, that loves Jacob and hates Esau. You have to remember that the biblical writers write in black and white. Uh, in Genesis 29, we read about Jacob is about to marry Rachel, whom he loved. His crafty father-in-law wanted to marry off his oldest daughter, Leah, first. So on the night of the the, the wedding, he slipped Leah into Jacob's tent. Now he had two wives. The text says, Rachel was loved and Leah was not loved. But the point was not that she was not loved. I mean, she bore Jacob's six sons, became leaders of the tribe of Israel. Uh, It was more that Rachel was more loved. It's a ranking, a preference. Uh, God's special love for the people of Israel doesn't mean that He doesn't love all people, every people, but His plan was to have a chosen people through whom He would work and other people would notice what happens in Israel and they'd come to believe there really is a God. Malachi tells us the goal of God's love for Israel. Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. 
God's love is for all people beyond the borders of Israel. God loved the people of Esau. God's special love for Israel was so that all people could come to know Him. If you make up your mind to have a positive attitude and look for the evidence of God's love for you, you'll see His love all through the day. If you want to be a credible witness for Christ, check your attitude. Make sure you're not a grump. In my discipleship group, our recent memory verse was, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with songs and hymns and songs in the Spirit. Sing and make melody in your heart, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How did I do? Did I get it? We're supposed to be joyful. When we have joy, even when circumstances are not that great, Hey, you're in my group. You want to come up and do the verse? We'll turn the screen off and you can... Um, the, uh, we're, we're supposed to live with an attitude of joy. And when we do that, even when circumstances are not great in our life, people notice. And they want to know what makes you different. The second way Malachi suggests we can bring honor to God is by being credible in our giving. Malachi writes, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I'm a father, where's the honor due me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. God asks, if I'm the Lord, as you profess, where's the respect that is my due? If I'm your father, as you say, where is my honor? Malachi takes dead aim at the religious leaders. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? The priests say, who, us? Malachi, you must have the wrong people. You must have the wrong address. It must be the others on the other side of the street. He says, by offering defiled food on my offering. But you ask, how have we defiled you? Again, they say, who, us? They act all hurt that he is saying that they've done anything wrong by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animal, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Uh, the Old Testament law required people to bring the best animals for sacrifice, animals without defect. Uh, here, here's the, what the law says. If an animal has a defect, is lame or blind, or has any serious flaw, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Why? All Old Testament sacrifices pointed to Jesus Christ, the, sin, the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. So their sacrifices had to be the best of their animals. But the priests were substituting crippled or lame animals. Why'd they do that? If they did that, then they could sell the good ones on the open market and they could pocket the change. I read about a missionary in Jamaica who said the offering 
Sometimes people would offer coins that had the inscription totally worn off. They were absolutely worthless in the marketplace. But they thought that's good enough for God. That's what the priests were doing in Judah. Malachi says, would your governor accept those kind of gifts from you? Then why do you think God should get those kind of gifts? So he goes on. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands? Says the Lord, cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Uh, Malachi first directs his comments to the priests. Now he generalizes it to all the people. He says, cursed is anyone who has a good animal to bring for sacrifice, but instead brings a lame one. The priest offered a discount religion. Now the people were doing the same thing. We sometimes do the same thing. We buy a new car. We do some repairs on our home. We buy new clothes. We take a vacation. Then we say, oh, God, I'm sorry. Don't have anything left to give you at the end of the month. We're all tempted to give God our leftovers. This is why the scriptures teach that we're to give God our first fruits. Solomon writes, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits. You're supposed to give to God first and give Him your best. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. We're supposed to give to God before we take care of the rest of our needs. We put faith that if we give to God first, He will take care of our other needs. Giving, of course, is more than giving money. It also means giving our time and our abilities. I'm so thankful for a church that is not only generous in giving. You, po- you people are incredible, but you're also generous in giving your time. The vast majority of people in our church are involved doing something, serving. Uh, as we come out of COVID, uh, we're going to need more people stepping up at this time. Uh, when we closed the church due to COVID on March uh, 15th of last year, um, we sent out uh, just, just the sermon for four months. Then starting in the middle of July, we had a full uh, worship team and full live stream. They have been working very hard and doing a very good job the last 12 months. Um, I don't watch live streams from other churches in Portland, but I am told that we have one of the best in, in Portland. If I'm looking for how we can improve, I watch national churches. And, uh, um, but those teams have been, been working hard. We got our ushers up uh, running about a month ago and our uh, hosts to greet people. Uh, but we're going to have to get other teams up and going again, like our follow-up team, following up new people and people that are, are missing, and our care and crisis team. Uh, they're, they're getting up and running. Uh, we, we now can visit again in hospitals. Uh, our hospitality team is going to start on Father's Day, serving the first food they have, and they're going to continue after that. Um, we're just going to need more people working in kids' space and with our youth. And so this is the time. We need you to step up. If there's anything you'd like to do, uh, be sure and, and let me know. To be credible... 
we have to be credible in our attitude, in our giving, and third, we must be credible in our worship. Malachi writes, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar, candles. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hand. Malachi suggests, let's just close down worship. God's not interested in the kind of worship you're offering. No worship, he says, is better than lukewarm worship. How do we do? Are we lukewarm? Do we yawn our way through the service? We worship a great God, and so nothing but our best will do. And Malachi drives this point home. My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, Lifeless worship is replaced with bursting praise of God. If you're lukewarm in your worship, what you need is to see God, how great He is. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. The people are saying, oh, this is so boring. Coming and singing and offering our gifts and listening to God's Word. Have you ever communicated that to God, that you're bored with the service? You say, well, Oregonians just don't care about worship. I disagree. Over the years, I've taken uh, one or all five of my boys at one time to Blazer games. How many here have ever been to a Blazer game? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you. It's a fun deal, isn't it? I mean, uh, I've, I've always said to, uh, that... Uh, one of the most fun jobs would be the, the people that put on the entertainment during timeouts and halftime. I mean, they got, you know, so much going on. Somebody sings the Star Spangled Banner. They got acrobats. They do, you know, shoot from the uh, midcourt, uh, shoot contest from the free throw line, all kinds of things going on. Uh, and uh, when I go with our boys, we don't go a lot, maybe a couple times a year, you know, we're, they, the Blazers score, and we're giving each other high fives. We jump to our feet. We say, did you see that? We just love to, to do that. Um, kind of sad that Blazers lost to the Nuggets this week. Lillard's 55 points in the fifth game. You know, you'd think that would be enough, wouldn't you? And, Carrie, uh, how did your Lakers do this week? Oh. As I'm uh, sorry about Anthony, that was that was big, impossible loss. And um, but Carrie, as the Lakers were dropping in their standings this year, he said, "Don't worry, we're going to win it. We're going to win it all." So we'll have to go to a Blazer-Laker game this year. All right, and uh, we'll uh, maybe that'd be fun. Um, but just like we praise God at a game, or praise you know we, we're joyful at a game, that's the way we should be in worship excited about Christ, when we understand how great God is, 
Sunday should become the greatest day of the week that we look forward to all week. Now, with masks, it's been hard. When you're wearing a mask, nobody can tell if you're singing, or you know, um, whether you're smiling, whether you're happy. You know, it's, it's just all covered. But those are starting to go away. And uh, as we uh, can come back to worship, and uh, we don't need, uh, as we less and less need for masks, uh, the more people we invite to worship, the more exciting it gets. Whether or not you know it. You are looking for God. You have a need that only God can fill. The reason you may not be interested in worship is because you've never seen anybody who's excited in worship. If we want to be incredible witnesses for Christ, we need to show people that worshiping God in worship is something that's exciting and that we're excited about. You tell people, hey, you got to try our church. I mean, we've got a great worship leader in Carrie that can lead us in worship. You've got to tell them, hey, come here, Ron or Chris. You'll love it. When they see the joy on our faces, then, then maybe they too will be interested in Christ. Our faith is credible when our lives bring honor to God. We bring honor to God when we're authentic in our attitude in our giving, and our worship. Then we can be credible witnesses for Christ and see more people come to Christ this year. If you're not certain there's a name tag for you in heaven with your name on it, you can become certain this morning by committing your life to Christ as we pray. Father, we thank you for Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, the last prophet to speak before you sent your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, we want to be credible witnesses for you this week. And so we pray that you'd help us have a good attitude, not be sour, uh, be credible in our giving of our time and our money, and credible in our worship. Be alive and give you our best. Why don't you make that commitment to God right now as we pray? And if you've never told Christ that you believe he's the son of God and was raised from the dead and invited him to forgive your sins you can do that right now as we pray you pray Father thank you for speaking to us through the prophet Malachi we want to be credible for you this week and excited about you, and so we commit to that. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us and our sins. In Jesus' name we pray.